I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 12. Want to learn from the top 5% of mortgage brokers in the country? Then you have come to the right place. Join Scott Peckford on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hi, Broker Nation. I am thrilled to introduce our guest today, Mike Havery. Mike is a mortgage broker based out of Calgary, Alberta. He's been a broker for nine years, and I he's uh, I got his name. Actually, I met him a few years ago, and Miney, one of the VPs at Mortgage Architects, told me that Mike's killing it, and I need to talk to him. So I'm excited to chat with you today, Mike. How's it going? Oh, Scott, it, it, it's going terrific. How about yourself? I'm doing, I'm doing great. So I'd like to start off with, uh, first, you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. All right. Um, I've been a broker for nine years. I started in the industry in Brampton, Ontario under Don Stoddard. And I made nothing in my first six months. Uh, but I knew I was passionate about the business. And I guess the reason, one of the reasons I got into the business was I looked around at different industries and how I got paid and I love the ethics of this business, and I soon discovered I had an aptitude for it. Uh, I've been running a transportation company with 100 people under me and grew to hate that business and, and looked around, and the people in the mortgage industry seemed to laugh a lot more, have a lot more fun, and made a lot more money than I had. And uh, again, it came down to the ethics of how I got paid. So, no, Scott, this has just been a... Uh, uh, a terrific career move for me, and I couldn't be happier. And w- when you say that in your first six, just I'm going to key in on something you'd said. You said you'd made nothing in the first six months. So in that first six months, did you ever have any second guessing? Uh, first of all, how did you survive? And then did you have any moments where you were like, man, maybe I should go back to doing something else? Yeah, I, I had a... Um, uh, financially, I, I did have a cushion from my uh, previous employment. So I... I knew I could survive, but I also knew this was a pretty intense business in terms of knowledge and to know what I was doing and have the confidence I was doing. For the first part, I I pretty much decided I was going to learn everything I could, meeting with all the lenders, meeting with all the insurers, and looking at all the deals all of the brokers did. And it took me three months to really get the confidence up to start getting business and probably another three months for that business to start to close. So, um, yeah, so you, ba- but you didn't have any, any moments where you were, you thought, man, I, any second guess? Oh, yeah, what, what, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> one month into the business, and I went in January 2nd into my office with nothing to do because I had nothing on the go. And I was thinking, man, this is a tough gig to get into. And uh, I tell people trying to get into the business, it's not for the faint of heart. You better have the resources to last for your first six months because you're likely not to eat so much. Yeah, no, that that's good. That's good advice. And I've I've been chatting with a few people lately that are kind of new in the business, and yeah, hearing the same thing that there's always that that painful initial six months that is the challenge, and then the learning curve. It's pretty steep. What they teach you in the course. I was chatting with one guy, and he said the course basically taught him how to use the calculator, and now he's got to actually go learn to be a mortgage broker. So. Uh, it's definitely, uh, yeah, but it's great for you, man. Nine years and, and, you know, you've obviously come from the first six months to where you're doing now is awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, I, I feel blessed to do what I do. Uh, I help people and I get paid for it. 
I know it's, I love, I, that's why this is, I love mortgage brokering and not, I love real estate or something else. So what I, before we dive into your story, I like to always start with a success quote to get the ball rolling. And so do you have a quote that you've, uh, that you, you know, you kind of cling to or that's meant something to you? And can you give me an example of when you've applied that to your business or your life? Sure. And, and I would say it's in, it, it's in business. And I, I tell people, and I wrote this kind of as, uh, my own mission statement is to make a difference in the lives of those I deal with. And really the, the deals that I find the most rewarding to me are, are usually the ones that pay us the least. And uh, I'll give you an example. I had a woman last year, probably the worst divorce I've ever seen. Her husband, ex-husband actually burnt down their home. It was a uh, court ordered divorce. And her credit was destroyed and there was a ton of crap on her bureau showing major substantial bills outstanding. And she wasn't going to get a mortgage from anybody with the way things were. Now she happened to have a fair bit of money. Uh, so we did send it to a B lender, but before I did that, I, I had to clean up her credit and uh, I actually wrote and physically went down to the collection agents to get some things taken off her credit as well as helped her with the lenders that had put things on her bureau to get those removed. And one year later, we're going to refinance her to an A lender. Her bureau, everything that was negative on it, and there was a ton, it is now gone. That's probably one of the most rewarding deals I've ever done. Dude, that's awesome. I can't believe that. I mean, I, I've had some messy, you know, divorce situations, but never somebody burning down the house. I mean, that's just like... I can imagine the emotional stress and it's great that, you know, you're able to step in and, and help her out and coach her. Cause often people are completely lost when they're in that situation. They don't know where to turn. And so that's, that's outstanding. I love it. Yeah. It, it, it really intrinsically, uh, it, it, it was hugely gratifying. And for this woman and her kids to get their, their dream home in a, in a great community close to her work. Uh, I mean, it w- made it worthwhile. So how many hours do you think you actually had into that file by the time all the dust cleared? Um, I would I would like to think it's probably at least a solid week of work. And uh, it, it, probably one, if I, if I calculate the hours, of, all in all, probably like close to 40 hours in terms of multiple meetings with her, documents, follow-ups with the credit agencies, uh, follow-ups with the lawyers, follow-ups with getting her court-ordered documents. I mean, it it was a it was a difficult difficult task, but uh, uh, I I never for once thought about the paycheck when I did that deal. Well, the thing is, you definitely have a, a client for life after you know you do that sort of thing, and uh, that's outstanding. So another area I like to switch gears to is to failure. I know that for me, I've I've made some mistakes as an entrepreneur and as a, you know, running a business. And so, but I always learn from them. Looking back, there's a lesson if I take the time to, so can you share an example of something that you failed at and then what you learned from it? Oh yeah. I, uh, last year I had a client who, uh, was here on a work permit and his work permit had expired. And, uh, he told me to, uh, that his work permit was being renewed and it would be about 40 days. And I told him in no uncertain terms 
that he had to have a valid work permit to get his mortgage, which was closing in about 120. Uh, Citizenship and immigration went on strike. And a week before closing, we did not have a mortgage. Uh, I involved uh, Don Lee from our firm, who went to the head of the insurer to try and get an exception for me. And uh, we still couldn't get an exception on that. The, uh, what I did was work with the client and his MP to get his work permit processed. And the closing date came, he still didn't have it. Four days later, uh, the work permit was processed. The lender held the funds open and we closed the deal. And, and the vendor could have legally walked away with the deposit at the time, but I let everybody know I had a good feeling it was coming. That taught me to really cover my ass in writing. And if we're going to waive, I'm having the client sign off on any conditions that aren't signed off for at the time. And uh, that was certainly a, a rude awakening for me because I've never sweat so much over a file in all my life uh, because the client not only didn't he have the work permit, he also threatened to sue me. Yeah, that's, during the process. Yeah, that's yeah, I could totally see. Uh, yeah, that would would not sleep well with that kind of. That's one of the you know you you were said earlier about how people in our business seem to smile more and have more fun. Well, we do, but occasionally things like that happen, and then those are the times when you're like, man, this is a. But it's about so do you, now your process when you're somebody's waving. Do you have like a template or something you use, or what do you use to ensure that you know? Okay, they're waving and they're they're waiting on something. What what's how does that look now? Um, I I will just have have them sign off specifically uh, what's outstanding. I will put it in email writing to them, and I will have them acknowledge it that they know they're to provide this. And if they provide that back in writing. Uh, email that's even better for me and uh, I I think one of the biggest differences too for me is uh, with with having a full-time assistant uh, he is following up with the clients on every condition outstanding right from the get-go right after the first meeting and uh, it's made a tremendous difference to my efficiency and my ability to sleep at night yeah no I, I yeah for me too there's been times when I didn't have the right process or system in place and in something like that slips through and you're like, man, this is extremely stressful because the risk of being sued. And then, you know, obviously there's just a whole bunch of fallout from it. So yeah, that thanks for sharing that. And I know that you're not the only person who's run into a situation where you're like, man, I, I've really got a, a big hole in my process that I need to f- fill so that it, it, and you don't have that happen. Cause it may not happen out of hundreds of files, but the one time it does happen, it will create all kinds of havoc. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely, and 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 there are times when it it is. I hate to sweat over anything. I love what I do. I'm passionate about what I do, and I want a great experience for the clients. And if if I'm sweating, there's a good chance they're sweating over something. Right, I agree. So one of the things I've noticed talking to successful mortgage brokers, and just like we're talking about now, is they have a system and a process for things, and they're always willing to tweak and adjust their process. So you told us about one, which was the getting them to sign off or having everything in writing. But can you share? And I know you're fairly, um, you're you're pretty organized, and you're because we've had conversations in the past. But can you should can you share an example of something like administrative task or something that you'd tweaked or that you do or that you get your assistant to do? And what sort of outcome you got from making those little adjustments? 
Well, really, I I used to do deals and then run around and get a lot of documents from the clients. And that was fine when I wasn't busy. As I got busy, I figured figured it out that from an efficiency point of view, I'm best even before the first meeting to let the client know every document they're going to need. And right up front, right from the start, from the first conversation, my first email to them has exactly every document they'll need. I'm expecting all of their documents prior to my submission of the mortgage when they're doing a purchase. So if I've got everything set to go, life's a lot easier and my conditions will come back with very few conditions. Uh, it's, it's a much more efficient process and it's a whole lot less stressful on me and the client. And I, I look, end up looking a lot better. Yeah, I I totally agree. It took me a while to get there too, to get to a point where you're like, you got to ask for everything up front and even before the first meeting. That's a great, I'm sure that that's helped you tremendously with not missing things and just yeah, the the process goes much smoother. Oh, oh yeah. If you do enough business, you there are going to be files where you, where you must miss something. And I, I've learned to read the purchase agreement every clause in the purchase agreement because somewhere along the line, somebody will throw something in that is going to kill a deal Um, or uh, reading the documents that the client has somewhere along the line. You've got to make sure it's great. I've got an assistant who can enter all this stuff for me, but at the end of the day, I'm still the one accountable. I've got to make sure I know what's going on. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm going to switch gears from the administrative side to the sales side because I, I also find that successful brokers, you can't build a business without some kind of a sales process. And so can you give us an example of a sales process or a marketing process that you that you tweaked and what sort of outcome you got from it? Sure. I, I can tell you I've probably tried just about everything and I can tell you what doesn't work. For instance, I advertised on the radio for a year here, spent 30,000 on radio advertising. I was on 10 to 12 times a day. Um, it, it, it was great for some name recognition, but what, what happened at the end of the day, I, I tracked it. I got 20,000 in business. I lost 10 and did about 20 for free and felt I didn't need the practice. Now I, I met some great referral sources from it. So it wasn't a total failure, but I learned to go out face-to-face and develop a a solid core of referral sources that were going to be loyal to me and and that I could work with. And I found a terrific way, and I know a lot of people shy away from it. I built a solid business on dealing with realtors, realtors, financial planners, and now, uh, as I've become more successful, existing clients. But I'll I'll go on the realtors. Uh, I did sponsor a course a sales training course with realtors and uh, for five weeks i i spent one one day a week in that course with 45 realtors and sat at a different table every week and made a presentation and followed up with each of them and i probably generate 40 to fifty thousand a year in income from realtors from that course alone and that's terrific and the people i deal with I don't pay them anything. They don't want anything. They want their clients to have a great service. And, and that's what I aim to deliver. Right. That's awesome. So do you have like an in-house then at a real estate office or is this something separate? 
no, I, I could never see myself tied to an office. Uh, and I, I didn't want that at all. I, I actually wanted quality realtors. There's a number of realtors I probably won't work with. And, and I've turned down people uh, just because the quality of clients is poor. I've got some top realtors in the city who send me everybody because with the rule changes, they don't even want to get in the car unless their clients are qualified. And most of these people are very experienced and their clients are, are awesome. They're for the most part, a clients and uh, very little difficulty in getting what I want. Right. Yeah, that's great. Actually, I think you, we chatted about that once before about this course thing you did. I may off the air, I, I'll dig into that more because I'm, I'm interested in, in that's a, that's a great idea. So oh, yeah. it, it's highly rewarding. Yeah. Um, and then, so another thing I've noticed talking to brokers is that there's a lot of talk lately about diversifying income. So, you know, cross-selling or, so do you, is that an area of your business that you target or you're focusing on? Is it an area that you're not focusing on and why? That's a, that's a great question, Scott. And I hear it more and more. So I'm thinking I should give some uh, consideration to it. I sell very little insurance. I usually refer those out to some friends of mine who, who do quite a bit of insurance business. And for the most part, it's be, because I put myself in the client's shoes and, and kind of almost swayed them to go get independent life insurance. Uh, just because my basic premise is I think a client would probably be better off having a check in their hand than a mortgage paid out if somebody passed away. Uh, but really, I'm I, I'm struggling with with that as much as uh, I don't feel as qualified to sell the life insurance as I do the other uh, as the mortgage business. And that's really the why I've shied away from selling insurance. Financial planning, I don't feel qualified as a financial planner as well. I, I know it's a real growth area for business. I just have struggled with how to wrap my head around the model and make sure I'm giving people the best option possible when I do it. Right. Yeah. It, it's definitely, there seems to be two camps forming. There's the camp that says, you know, diversify, you need to get multiple streams of income. And there's another camp that says, hold on, that's why we, we're not bankers is because we just do focus on one thing and specialize. And so I'm still sort of, I'm not sure where my mind, I fall on this yet. I'm, I'm still kind of probing. I don't do it currently, but right now my focus is just on mortgages and I feel like that's enough. Like there's a lot of stuff to stay on top of and to be good at it. Uh, although I'm, I'm, I'm always asking people about this question because I'm trying to learn, okay, is there a way to do this in a way that I can do it and not interfere with, you know, my core business? Yeah. And I, I, I want it to be a great experience for everybody. And if I start trying to go into too many pies where I'm, I feel I'm at the top of my game with the mortgage industry. I don't feel as confident talking to people about the other products. Right. And yeah, that's, that's kind of, that, that's so true. So another question I like to ask is, so how you've got a family, so how do you run your busy mortgage practice and, you know, keep your family commitments up? So how, how does that work for you? Uh, not too well sometimes, according to my wife, but uh, I, I think when I moved uh, out of the home and that was this year into an office, life got a lot better because I was able to turn off the office when I got home. When I was working out of the home, my kids are older. They're 12 and 15. And when they were coming home from school, I was kind of trying to quiet down the house. That really wasn't fair to anybody. 
nor is it fair if at night I'm working away all the time uh, on my phone, on my computer, when it really should be family time. So I'm trying as much as I can not to work on the weekend and limiting my evening work to a couple of evenings a week. Whereas if I need to see people, I'm, I'm trying to see uh, multiple people in the same evening or schedule them, say, for half a morning on a Saturday to all come into my office. And one of the best moves I made from that point of view, it cut down my travel time, was taking an office. I have people come to see me now. I, I try not to have to drive out to their homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely efficiency I, with that. It, it was a lot of a lot more efficient, and really, I, uh, I had to. I, I couldn't see uh, the amount of people who wanted to see me in a week. Lots of times. And, and then the other problem you have too is you have when you go to someone else's home, you, the environment you can't control. There can be a lot of distractions, and you're talking about a large transaction. So I tend, I definitely fall into the camp of get people to come see you in your office so that you can be focused and give them your attention. So, and it's efficient. And I think it's a better, like you were saying before, I think it's a better experience for them in the end. I think it's a better experience. I've got a terrific office and a terrific boardroom. And I like to do, have clients come into the boardroom and I've got a big screen there and a whiteboard and I can put everything up on it and we can not just talk rate, we talk strategy. Right. That's awesome. So now we're going to move into the rapid fire questions. So these ones you can answer with a little shorter answers if you like. So what is the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? I, I don't think there a lot of mortgage brokers are building their business the right way. Uh, they're either waiting for the phone to ring or they're not going out and building the referral sources the right way. And, and by that, I mean, there is a ton of opportunity out there for uh, brokers to engage, say, realtors. And a lot of them shy away from it, uh, fear of rejection or what have you. But if you work with a top realtor and they're loyal to you, you don't need a whole bunch to make a, a large living in this industry. And there's hundreds or thousands of realtors out there. You just have to hit the right ones and be successful and and get referrals from them as to some other partners you can deal with. Word of mouth is the greatest advertising I get. One realtor telling another top realtor to use me. Uh, my business grows substantially from that. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah I, I think it's fear of rejection. Uh, I, I don't think they focus enough on the sales side, and some of them lack confidence in their ability to do the deals. The other thing I think is education. I go to and attend every conference I can. I try and see speakers outside the mortgage industry all of the time. I try and make myself great at what I do. I take the insurers out for lunch. I meet the insurers. I meet the lenders. I take them out. I go and engage them. I want to know about their products. I want to know about what's new. But also, if I've got a problem, I want them to pick up the phone. I want them to get back to me. I want them to work with me. And uh, I've developed a core of a... uh, uh, key, say, four or five lender relationships where I've got that status with them, where if something isn't quite right, they will work with me to fix it. Right. Yeah, that's that's good advice for sure. It's just the fear of rejection. And then you gotta you got to build the relationships, not only with your clients, but with the, you know, the lenders and the insurers, because when, when there's a problem and you, ha- you can pick up the phone, and you know, they're going to they're going to work with you and they know who you are. It definitely you know, it still comes down to a people business, even though there's lots of policy and stuff. At the end of the day, 
uh, relationships are still pretty critical. Oh yeah, yeah. So it uh, it really is. It's it, it's a people. It's a relationship driven business, and to be successful, you, you have to identify your your spheres or circles of influence where you're going to get business. And the one thing actually Don Stoddard sat down and talked to me with when I started with him in Brampton, first thing he did was pull out a calendar and want to see what my month, what my week, what my day was looking like. And then we went over it. He said, okay, well, you've done things your way for a little bit. How about we look at what you're doing and then see if we can do it differently. And, and that was the best advice I've gotten in the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what do you think, what one habit, has, do you think has made you successful? Uh, I think really engaging people, learning that it's not the phone that's going to make me successful. It's not sitting in my office that's going to make me successful. It's going out, arranging to meet people, and engaging them person-to-person, face-to-face. And the people that are sending me business, I have relationships with. But I know it's not just a transactional relationship. If, if there's a seminar on in town, I'm seeing what I can do to improve their business. For instance, I took 12 of them to Tony Robbins' seminar here last year. Uh, I took a number of them to see Bill Clinton when he was here. Uh, I've done client parties where I've invited all my referral sources as well. It, it, it's just it, it's an ongoing thing. You have to build on that relationship. Socially, I engage them and get out with them. Uh, I make sure it's not just the transaction. I make sure that if there's no business in front of us, I am I am in contact with them. Uh, I try and write my own stuff when I do something and send something out to my referral sources. Uh, the canned stuff, I hear very quickly. I get the feedback that really it's not as much benefit as to what I'm writing. And I try and make a difference in their business. I try and educate them as to what their clients are looking for, what I'll need, and make their headaches go away. Right. Yeah, that's that's good. Well, you're definitely doing it. I mean, it's good, it's good on you. So another thing I like is uh, technology, and I know you do as well. So do you have an internet resource or a software program you use that makes your business more successful, like Dropbox or an Evernote or something? Oh, yeah. I, I use... Dropbox extensively, and I learned that after uh, having everything on a USB key for a, a number of clients. I probably had 50 files on a USB key, left it in my computer one night, and it fried. And these were a lot of ongoing and active files or a lot of closed files where I hadn't been paid. And, and I learned from that mistake. <laughs> And since then, I've used Dropbox, and I did recover that key, but it was costly. It was about 500 bucks, but I didn't want to go back to any clients and ask them for their documents again. So I use that extensively. I've also found Eximius is making my phone ring, and I've got people thinking of me, ours is such a top-of-mind industry and business that if you're not top-of-mind, uh, somebody else is, and you're not going to get their business. Mm-hmm. So Eximius would be the one that you think is, I mean, Dropbox and Eximius are the ones that you think are really beneficial. Oh, absolutely. It's been, it's been phenomenal for my business. I'm, I'm probably getting a couple of deals a month alone off Eximius. Yeah, that's awesome. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? 
I've, I've got it here, and let me just grab the title because uh, I want to make sure I got it right. Um, it's by uh, Jeffrey Gittimer. It's called The Little Red Book of Selling, uh, 12 and a Half Principles of Sales Greatness. And when you, when you open it up, I love the first chapter. It's called Kick Your Own Ass. So if you're sitting there feeling sorry for yourself for the got no business, and I've given this book out to a lot of people, you just need to get out there or start picking up the phone and going to see people. And sales will happen. There's no one roadmap for success, but I know if you do nothing, nothing will happen. It's totally true that if you don't actually get out, pick up the phone, if you don't get in front of people, you will, nothing will happen. So... Uh, the, the last question I have is my one of my favorites, and it's the DeLorean question. Remember the DeLorean from Back to the Future? Yeah. So imagine if you could have the DeLorean, and of all the places you choose to visit, or maybe it's set, you you go back to the nine years ago when you were start for your first day as a mortgage broker, and you you got fifteen minutes to talk to yourself. So what three things would you tell yourself in order to improve your business today? I'd say number one, believe in yourself. And be confident in what you're doing and your ability to do it. And if you feel you need something to get you that confidence, you go get that something, whether it be knowledge in the industry or whether it be just somebody to mentor you or or model after. And the next thing I, I would say is have a business plan. Have a great business plan. And if your business plan isn't working, sit down and redo that business plan and, and do it well. And and ask others for advice. Ask people, successful people, what they do and how they do it and how they started. And ask them the same question because I learned from everybody in the business. And I wish I had asked more questions early on from some highly successful people because I was surrounded by them as to what they do and how they did it. And I probably would have been a year or two ahead of where I am. So that's great advice. Yeah, you have to have the confidence or the inner belief that you can do something or and then ask lots of questions. This is what's the point of these interviews is asking questions because I'm still a student and I love learning. I learn from everybody. And this this conversation has been fantastic. I've got I, I every after every conversation I have or every interview, I always write down. I'm like, what's one thing I'm going to look into doing or changing from this conversation? And I have a couple that I'm definitely excited about looking looking into. So, Mike, thank you so much for sharing this time with me. And if you um, are you hiring at all, like, were you, are you hiring sub brokers? Uh, if I've told Miney, any candidate they've got coming in, I, I'm going to look at adding on to my team because I, I do view this as something I don't want to have just as a transactional. I want it to be a business down the road. And uh, I'm struggling a bit right now with the model and what, what it should look like, but uh, I've got ideas as to where I'd like to take this. So, uh, you know, there. Uh, Yes, I, I am actively looking um, to build my team and build my business. And where can people find you online? www.themortgagearchitect.ca Thanks, Mike. Uh, uh, thanks for sharing your insights and your wisdom with us. I really appreciate it. I hope you have an outstanding remaining rest of your year, and I'm sure that we'll be chatting some more. 
Awesome. No, Scott, I really appreciate uh, your time today. That was terrific. Want to learn from the top five mortgage brokers in the country? Then you have come to the right place. Join Scott Peckford on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Have you joined our VIP club for mortgage brokers yet? If not, you're missing out. We share exclusive content not available on the web or the show. We share scripts, step-by-step guides, and other insider tips to help you save time and make you more money. I can't tell you how many times after I turn off the recorder, a guest starts sharing some awesome advice or a script or, or a tip, and I take the best of this and share it with my VIPs. If you want to get on the list, visit ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP. That's ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP. Oh, and one other thing. Since this is exclusively for mortgage brokers, there is a skill testing question. Good luck, and I hope you continue to rock your mortgage biz.